Welcome to the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, presented by Pizza Hut. Live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, here are your hosts, Jesse Merrick and Eddie Pascal. Raider Nation, what is going on? Eddie Pascal here with Jesse Merrick back in the Mobile Beat Laboratory in Henderson, Nevada. And thank you for hanging out with us for another episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. And Jesse, I was going through the calendar earlier. We're coming to the end of our little uh, our little show here. Almost over. Almost. Sad face, you sad know, face sad emoji, emoji, all that, you know. But it's it's been a good ride, man. We had a good time. An excellent ride. And we're not and we're going out strong. We got another guest today. We're gonna talk to Quentin Jefferson in just a few minutes. Good we will stuff get to me. that and yes, very good stuff from Quentin. Insightful stuff. Had a lot of fun too. He's a good uh, it's the first time I think I've talked to him for more than like thirty seconds. He's a good talker. Yeah, he is. And he definitely is. He's comfortable in himself, great personality as well. And you know, as we'll dive into it more, dude's got some feet heat. Yes, absolutely. He sure does. All my sneakerheads out there, make sure you stick around for that. But, Jesse, we talk, and it's, what, 1.30 on Friday. Mm-hmm. It's almost happy hour time. People are getting, getting you know, loosened up for the weekend. But your Las Vegas Raiders flying out tomorrow afternoon, going to Santa Clara to wrap up the preseason. And the third game of the preseason is not the sexiest game of football that we will see. It's just not. Yeah. But... There's a lot of important things that we will learn about this team Sunday afternoon. And there's a lot of guys that I know that you have your eye on in particular. So when you look at, let's start on offense. Mm-hmm. Offensively speaking, who do you want to see come Sunday? Yeah, well, Greg Olson said it yesterday. You know, he mentioned the fact that, like, you know, at O-line and receiver, those are going to be the toughest for them, you know, come cut time. So the guys that I had circled on mine there are Dylan Stoner, DJ Turner, and Keelan Doss. Like, guys that I think got to have a big one because we obviously saw what happened with Aitman. So maybe Doss's spot isn't solidified there. Those guys honestly are, are probably competing for a practice squad spot, but even then, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's kind of tough. Maybe one of them breaks into it. Maybe we have a surprise cut. I, I don't really know. And, and it's one of those things, too, where it's every year. And look, Jesse and I are not personnel experts. Yeah. Jesse and I are not down the hall, right? That's where Gruden and Mayock and their guys are. But every year, man, it doesn't matter if you're the Raiders or any other team, there's always one or two guys come final cut day that you're like, Oh, they're out on the market now? Exactly. And so, I mean, if you're looking, if you're the Dylan Stoners, if you're the Keelan Dosses of the world, you really got to put your best foot forward on Sunday. Be like, hey, I'm going to take someone's job on Sunday, as kind of cold as that is. Like, hey, you have a fi- one final chance to show what you can do and really take advantage of those reps. Yeah, this is the NFL, man. Yeah. I mean, that's the nature of the business, and, and everybody knows and understands that. So that's definitely what's going into it with that one with the receiving core. And then along the O-line, I look at a Wamame. Cotton and Jones Smith, you know, that's going to be interesting. I think Cotton has locked up his job, you know, due to the injury situation with Incognito. But it's going to be real interesting to see Omame and Jones Smith, you know, how both of those guys kind of, you know, work in this game here. I think both of them have a little bit something, maybe a bad taste in their mouth after that last game. Want to get out there and put some good tape in there. So those are two guys that I'm really going to be paying attention to, but Cotton as well also. And give credit to Lester Cotton, too, a guy that came in here, gosh, two years ago as an undrafted free agent really kind of lived in that world of the practice squad grind of just putting you know good practice tape out there. And give him credit, man. He has taken full advantage of the opportunity he has this year, and we're going to have to wait until Tuesday, right, yeah. to see if he officially is one of those 53. But at this point, I think it's fair to say it would be a surprise if he wasn't one of those 53. I would say so, too. Again, just given the situation, yeah. the way you look at it, you think, okay, this just makes too much sense not to be the case there. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they really do have to keep him on there. Another guy, too, that you know Gruden even talked up, which I don't think he's going to make the roster, but Morrissey, you know, he said he's kind of like a coach out there on the field. He's a guy to keep an eye on the practice squad. I think that's a guy that's safe to say, like, 
probably other people wouldn't pick up, but that's the guy you stash in the practice squad for later on down the road. Yeah, and, and look, you draft people for a reason. Even mm-hmm. if they're day three draft picks like Jimmy Morris, you don't get drafted by accident nah. in the NFL. So even the guys that got picked, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, right? Yeah. He comes to the NFL with a very good skill set, a very legitimate skill set, and something to offer to his team, whoever Mr. Irrelevant was this year. I hope you're looking it up. Oh, no, I wasn't. Uh, yeah. I could if you want me to. Nah, it's all right. I don't care that much. But all the same, like you said, Jimmy Morrissey, an, an intriguing guy now, where he's going to assume, we assume, have a lot of time to get to work on Sunday against the Niners. One final chance to show Gruden and Mayock and Ole and all those guys what he can be. And does he end up on the 53? Uh, probably not if you're just looking at the numbers, right? Yeah. Once again, you and I are not in those meetings, but just kind of reading the tea leaves of things, he seems like he is destined, and as you said, a great candidate for a practice squad spot in 2021. 100%. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all. Nothing at all. A lot of guys get their start on the practice squad and work their way up. Again, we've talked about Darren Waller. Like He was a dude that was on someone else's practice squad, and now he's one of the best players in the NFL at his position and just overall. But that's what, as I look through the O-line, and we'll do this again next week when we go dive into cuts and everything, but you obviously look at it. Okay, left tackle, you got Colton Miller. Brandon Parker's going to make this team. Richie Incognito, John Simpson, Andre James, Nick Martin, you expect to be there. Denzel Good. You've got Alex Leatherwood. So then that's really where, okay, Omame, Jared Jones-Smith. Again, we talked about Cotton. That's going to be really interesting to see kind of how those three guys kind of round this out. And really, it's going to be whoever provides the best versatility and I think who really puts that final stamp on this uh, you know, coaching staff. And then you also get to kind of, if you're Mike Mayock, flex a little bit and see how you're going to build out the roster when mm-hmm. you just look at the numbers of it all, where it's like, okay, do we pull, I don't know, our super reserve you know, emergency safety yeah. to keep another lineman. I mean, that's where it really gets interesting over these next, you know, four or five days. It does. And that's the thing. That's got to be the most, like, nerve-wracking game to have to play. Of Like, how many of these guys do we keep? How many of this? Can this guy actually play this or that? And with the O-line, it's different because, like, a lot of these guys aren't playing special teams, you know? Yeah. So you're, you're looking for guys that have that position versatility that can, like, move around and play different spots and stuff like that. And that's where I think Nick Martin is that guy that, you know, is the backup center. He's going to be able to fill the role of a backup guard as well on either side, either the right or left guard, if, if need be. So, you know, having guys like that is big. So that's where you look at Jared Jones-Smith. You look at Omame. You know, Omame's the guy that can play guard and tackle as well. So maybe if he has a better showing, he breaks into this uh, 53-man roster. But it is going to be... It's a tough one, and Ole said it. You know, this is a hard one to have to look at because there's going to be good guys that you have to get rid of. And it's a good problem to have, yeah. right? I mean, if your issue is like we have too many quality offensive linemen that we don't know what to do with, that's mm-hmm. a good problem. But you talk about that that versatility, especially when you get to the bottom of the roster and guys that can do a lot of things. I mean, candidly, that's what that's what's kept Brandon Parker here for as yeah. long as he's been. You need to have swing tackles. You need to have a guy that in an emergency situation, someone goes down, okay, he can play on the left side, he can play on the right side, he can do a little bit of everything, and he can do it well because there's a difference between, hey, let's throw this guy in here on the right side and keep our fingers crossed, and hey, we know what we have in Brandon. Yeah. We, he's been here for a few years. He understands what the expectations are, and we feel good putting him out there in a pinch for three, four, possibly five quarters if you're really looking out to that next week. Yeah, and I know Raiders fans at times feel a certain way about him, but like I remember, and it's one game, but I remember back to one of the Denver games. He played very well against, I believe Chubb was playing in that game, and he played very well. I just have like vivid memories of that. I don't have a lot of memories of old sure. linemen doing certain things, but I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, Brandon Parker did a great job against him on multiple series. So the guy's got some skills, and again, having the swing tackle ability, like that's massive to be able to do that. You, you have to have a guy that can do that, especially when they're the backups, because then that opens the door for so much more on your roster in terms of you know how you're going to fill it in behind them. We talk about the different things you got to try and figure out in terms of numbers and stuff like that. So 
when you have guys that can do a bit of everything, that can slide all over that line, that is massive, especially when you're one of those like fringe roster guys. And credit to Brandon Parker, too, where all of a sudden you look at it and he's got 37 NFL games under his belt. Yeah. He's made 19 starts. I think people, you talk about the perception of Brandon Parker, and I think people remember that rookie season yeah. where he was essentially thrown, thrown to the wolves. Right. And, and look, we're not here to debate what happened in, in 2018. But the reality of it was, is that Brandon Parker, since he has gotten here, since 2018, I think, in my humble opinion, has gotten better and better and better. So now he's carved himself a nice little role as that swing tackle. And it's a role that you need. Look, he is never going to be your franchise left tackle. No. And that's okay. Exactly. He's never going to be your franchise right tackle. And once again, that is okay because it takes 53 guys to put together a team, and you need to have someone like Brandon Parker filling that role. Yeah, we saw last year how much they'd have to dip into the you know the pool of players that they had, especially along the offensive line. So having a guy like that that you said 19 starts, yep, I mean, 19. That's, that's quality. You're not going to find that all over the place. You're not going to necessarily find that on the street. So a guy that knows your system, that's come in and done it and played well at times, that is massive to have. And also, like you said, there's nothing wrong with being a swing tackle, being a backup guy. You can make a lot of money doing yeah, that. Yeah, Brandon Parker's got himself a nice little exactly. life right now. Like, this that. guy ain't complaining. Yeah, 100%. And we talk about the offense, and I feel like we talk about the offense a lot a lot because it's fun. It's exciting. Everyone likes to see touchdowns. But defensively, the defense in general this year has been such an area of focus, an area that, you know, frankly has been a priority for this organization to mm-hmm. fix, to clean up. And we have one more chance to get one final snapshot of – I mean, frankly, the skeleton version of this defense because we're not going to see Max and Unique and those types of guys. Yeah. But when you look at the, at the defense, come Sunday at Levi Stadium, give me a few guys to keep an eye on. Man, so I, I got a handful of them here, so I'll go rapid fire. Rapid through, fire. And then you tell me who you want to you know, touch on Yep, again. let's so do it. I've got Niall Scott, got Matt Dickerson, and Gerald McCoy. All right, so then back in the linebacking core, we've got Bilal and Max Richardson. And then DBs, Isaiah Johnson, Nevin Lawson, and Amik. Then we got Teamer as well, who I think is an odd man out, but he's a guy that I think would be a solid practice squad addition. And he played really well last week, led the team in tackles. So what are you, what are you thinking on those guys that I named? Let's start with Gerald. All right, we're obviously going to get into the linebackers. Yep. We're going to have to talk a lot about the linebackers and yep. just everything that's happened really the past, gosh, what, week? Yeah, days? it's been a wild week. Yeah, it's been a crazy week if you're a linebacker for the Las Vegas Raiders. But let's start with Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy, the pedigree is there. Right, Gerald McCoy could play. It could never have to play another snap in the in the NFL again, and his spot as a dog is yeah. solidified. Right, but he comes in now, a year a year off. Right, dealing with the injury last year, rested, refreshed from everything that we've heard, motivated and excited to be here in Vegas. And I wonder, do you think we get a little taste of Gerald McCoy still in 61? So I think I lost that bet yeah. quite a while ago. But do you think <laughs> we get a taste of him this Sunday afternoon? I think we do. And I think today in the press conference, we were kind of listening to it from the pod room here. I think Gruden said, you know, that if McCoy plays well this weekend, they're going to try and get him in a different number. So, oh, yeah. there we go. Yeah, so, All right. A little bit of love. Exactly, a little bit of love. Yeah. So even Gruden knows that 61 looks real <laughs> ugly on that dude. <laughs> I, I hope that. Sorry, quick, quick sidebar. Good. But I always love the number before the real number, right? So I'm a big Man City fan, and Phil Foden wore, I think, like 44, Mm -hmm. some hideous number for a minute. And I was like, that's a great collector's item one day to get that jersey before he eventually transitions into what will he be his permanent number Dude, for the I, rest. I feel the jersey number before the number. Like, so fun fact that nobody really cares about. But my freshman year when I redshirted Azusa, I was I was technically number 61 on the roster. I was a receiver. Yeah, I know. Oh. You're giving me, for those of you guys oh. listening, Eddie's giving me the look like, oh my God. It was horrible. So whenever I did dress out, I had to wear a 61 for the games my freshman year. 
Luckily, you know, when I went to practice stuff, I managed to steal like an extra like 17 or 9. Those are my two numbers that I really liked. So I managed to snag that. But I feel Gerald McCoy's pain because I had to rock a 61 my first year of college football. It was a redshirt year, so obviously I wasn't playing. But like putting that jersey on just didn't feel right. Can I, can I paint a picture oh, real man. quick? Yeah. And please tell me if I've got anything wrong. Young Jesse Merrick, uh-huh. freshman year, right? So 18, yep. 19, somewhere in that, in that vicinity. Yep. Feeling good about yourself. You're a college athlete. You're probably in great shape. Yeah. Man about town. Oh, the world is your oyster. <laughs> You're getting dressed on a game day, right? Putting your shoes on, getting your pants <laughs> on, feeling good. All right, I'm sure we're going to go see some of the, the friendly faces at Azusa yeah. Pacific, right? And then you have to go into your closet or the locker room, whatever, and you pull down a number 61 jersey. Oh. How does the mindset for you, what is the... What is the mojo like pre-putting on that jersey and then having to look in the mirror and be like, I'm a college-wide receiver <laughs> and I'm wearing a number 61 jersey right now on the yeah, sideline. Yeah, was, I was feeling myself cruising around like, yeah. hey, man, I'm a college football player, yeah. da, 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 all this stuff. And then it goes to like, thank God I'm not going to get in the game in this yeah. thing so people don't have to see me. I do still have some pictures <sighs> from freshman year of me in it. Those don't see the light of day very often. My, oh. my mom and them tried to post those on Facebook and stuff. Yeah. I was like, yo, mom, take those down. Go ahead and throw the ones of me in 17 and 80. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Oh, man. But anyways, please, Gerald McCoy, let's yeah. get you a new number. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let's back back on track now with this one. <laughs> let's definitely get my man a new one. But he is one I'm definitely looking forward to seeing. You know, Gruden talked about it today that, you know, he he looks like the Gerald McCoy of old that we saw in Tampa. You know, the guy that was out there that replaced Warren Sapp. He was like that next dude. So that's got to fire Raider Nation up. Especially knowing, and we've heard this from Gruden since he got here, how much he values that big boy in the middle position. Exactly. He values that defensive tackle so much. And he's talked about it in so many ways. That is the linchpin for everything that he wants to do defensively. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Gus Bradley now has kind of his two cents and how he wants to have things done. But philosophically, that is such a huge need for JG. It really is. And and just Gerald McCoy, I was looking at it this morning when I was putting together notes for the pod. Like, Gerald McCoy's presence among this D-line makes things really interesting come cut time. Because, again, you've got Niall Scott, Matt Dickerson, Gerald McCoy. And then if you go and throw in the three techniques in there, you've also got Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon, and Kendall Vickers. Like, they're not going to keep 11 D linemen, right? I, I'm thinking maybe It's just 10. a numbers game, yeah. Yeah, so like that's that going to be tough. And let's not also forget about Darius Still. Sorry about that. But, um, you know, that's that's an interesting little like thing to throw in there because as I'm going through it, okay, you know, obviously Unique, Nassib, Malcolm Kuntz, they're going to make the roster. You got Max and you got Klee, they're going to make the roster. You got Quentin, Solomon, and Darius, who I think are going to make it as well because they played very well. Gruden really seems to like Phylon. And, and then you go through that and you're like, well, Okay, who's the odd man out in this one? And I think Gerald McCoy makes his team. So, one, that's where you get him the new number. <laughs> yeah. But two, like, that's also a really stacked D-line group. And then at that point, I think you start, if you're Mike Mayock, if I'm just, if I'm Mayock, if I'm trying to pretend to be him for 30 seconds, probably yeah. very inefficiently. But if you're him in this position, now you start thinking, okay, who's practice squad eligible? Yeah. Who can we try to find a way to sneak through to get back on the practice squad? Because not everyone is. Like, if you got Gerald McCoy tomorrow, he doesn't have to go through the waiver process, nah. right? He could go out and sign with whoever he pleases as soon as that, uh, as soon as that transaction becomes official. But with a lot of these young guys, there's more of a, there's a longer process yeah. for them to, to sign, right? So if you're you know, a first-year guy, if you're a rookie and you end up getting cut, you go through the entire waiver system. Mm-hmm. So the other 31 teams in the NFL have a chance to say, hey, I want you to join this team. 
And so now if you're Mike, you're like, okay, maybe we can massage it here, or maybe this guy we we think has a better chance of sliding through waivers, we can claim him back. Like mm-hmm. that's where things get really, really interesting. Yeah, that dance is a crazy yes. one. And it's gotta be nerve wracking too, because again, like and like we mentioned, this is a great problem to have. But like Incredible. as you're doing this, you think, okay, this guy's got all the tools to succeed, but he's not quite there. But then you let him slip through waivers, and let's say he goes somewhere else and makes someone else's team. And whether you have a great year or not, like you look back at it and you're like, damn, we could have had that dog on our team and, and we let him slip through the cracks. So that's got to be super nerve wracking. But that's the thing, too, is with McCoy specifically, like we haven't even been able to see him like full go 100% cleared. Like even for us, like today was the first day where we had limited practice viewing. Like I, I didn't see him 100% in pads out there the entire time. Like he was doing individual drills and things like that. So today, I think Gruden said this was the, maybe the first week that he was ready to roll. So, like, we haven't even had a look at him media-wise, so we don't know what he's like. So, for them, like, you can't let Gerald McCoy go because if Gerald McCoy is Gerald McCoy, like, you're getting that dude. Yeah, and look, that's why there's a lot of things that aren't great about the preseason, but in the case of Gerald McCoy, let's see what you got. I don't need to see you for four quarters, Gerald, but let's let's give me a few good series. Let's really, let's let you break a sweat. Let's see you go against some quality offensive linemen and see how you you stand out because, look, everyone here thinks that he's going to be a piece of the puzzle here. But now, like you said, we haven't had a chance to see him go full go. We haven't had a chance to see him in the pads. We will get that chance on Sunday, and it's yep. going to be very, very exciting. Moving back, shifting just a little bit. Oh, what a week to be a linebacker for this uh, for this football team, man. I yeah. Mean, what a week. You go talk about Javen White going down. You, uh, Nick Morrow is still not back. Nick Kwiatkowski. I mean, you're looking in a, in a week ago, you feel pretty good about where you were at the linebacker position. You fast forward to today. And you're like, boy, we are dropping like flies. But according to reports, Jesse, we do have a little help on the way. Yeah, Denzel Perryman. Sounds like he's coming into the building. Obviously, none of it's official yet, but we have had Gruden and Bradley both talk about him. So it's officially unofficial, you yeah. know, but it's happening. It seems like it is. So he's a guy that brings a lot to the table. He spent four years with Bradley. He is coming off of some hip and foot issues and things like that. So that's kind of where it's a bit of hesitation, but... Bradley couldn't talk highly enough about him. He said he brings explosiveness and instincts in there, but I don't want people to get it twisted about like what he brings. I don't think he's going to be a starter. I think he's going to be a rotational guy. He hasn't played more than 45% uh, of the defensive snaps in a season ever in his career, so he's going to be that rotational guy. But again, that's where Bradley talked about getting that depth, creating that depth at the precision again that they had before. So you bring a guy in like that and have that dude come in as your second group, that's massive. To be able to bring that into there is is huge. And clearly both um, Bradley and Gruden think very highly of this guy. And, and the thing is, too, I think you hit it the nail on the head, is building back that depth. Yeah. Because as I said, 10 days ago, you felt pretty good about the depth of your linebacking core. If you're like, hey, we think we got something pretty good in Javen White, but he's not going to have to be an uh, every down starter. Yeah. If that's the world you're living in, that's a nice world to be living in. Exactly. And all of a sudden, the Knicks, both of them, Javen White, you're looking around like, all right. So now, how do we go about? How would you, do we go about building back that depth? And this is a great way to do it. And like you said, we have a few days to see what happens to make sure this move does go official. But assuming that it does, I mean, it is a very nice piece for Gus Bradley to have at his disposal. But even taking taking Denzel Perryman out of the out of the equation, the linebacking core. I think if you were to say Eddie, you get, you have to watch one thing on Sunday. I'm watching those linebackers be, yeah. because of all those injuries. While it is a negative, the one positive to come out of this is a lot of these guys are going to get more opportunities. I mean, we're talking about Tanner Muse, we're talking about Devon Diablo, we're talking about these guys that are going to say, hey, 
I'm have, I have my chance. This is my moment. I'm going to go out and I'm going to take it on Sunday. Exactly. And again, you mentioned both Muse and Diablo. Like Those are the guys that I think every Raider fan should be watching like a hawk on Sunday because they're the ones that are going to get all that burn. And again, they can create that depth. You know, they can do that. Tanner Muse is a guy that's played like every linebacker position on this team. He's been playing Will. He's played Sam or Otto, as they call it in this defense. You know, those are the things. This guy's slid all over the place, and he played well uh, in the last preseason game when he did move inside. So that's something you got to love to see out of a guy like him. And then he is the special teams war daddy as well. Yes. I have also seen Divine Diablo taking on some ownership of some roles on special teams as well. He's working with Rich, you know, working on his drop step on the uh, punt team and things like that, the kick slide, all that stuff. So, like, he's another guy that brings that height, weight, speed element to the special team stuff and can do some of that and is going to have to fill the void left by a guy like Javen, who was another special teamer. So Divine is going to be one of those dudes where I'm paying attention to not only what he does on defense, but also special teams because that's where you do need the depth there as well. And we're going to dive into teams after the break, I promise you, because I cannot let a show go by, especially (laughs) a show in training camp without talking about the, the special teamers. But it is such a unique, I think, a unique kind of place for this team to be entering Sunday. Where, look, do you want to go undefeated in the preseason? Sure. Like, it's cool. You don't, No one wants to take an L at any yeah. point. But to now kind of have see everything that's happened over the past 10 days, we're like, okay, we're down a bunch of bodies, but we need to see guys play. We need to see the Gerald McCoys play. We need to see Divine Diablo play. But we also need to make sure that we are putting essentially everyone else in bubble wrap. Yeah. Like it's, it's a unique space to be going into, especially over this final th- uh, final preseason game. This also, we talked about like with Mayock playing that game of like trying to work his way around the mm-hmm. roster. As a coach, this has to be the most nerve-wracking thing where you're just like, man, let us get some good work in, but also let us get out of this thing healthy. You know, And that's the priority, right? Yeah. I mean, if... Yeah, if if we even have a sense that like uh, Gerald McCoy is not 100 percent or whoever's not 100, pull him, pull him. Yeah, don't even think twice about it. Who cares if you lose by 40? Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a rough plane ride home. It doesn't matter. Yeah, make sure everyone that gets off that plane tomorrow afternoon in Santa Clara gets back on that plane <laughs> Sunday evening, healthy and ready to go for the for regular season week one. Yeah, that's what you need more than anything else out of this. But it is exciting because you know, again, like you mentioned, like there's gonna be a lot of good guys that don't make this team. So that's what makes that that final preseason game exciting to watch. I know there's a lot of people that don't care about the preseason and everything, but like this is literally guys like fighting for their lives, for their livelihood, for a spot on this roster. Like to me, that's really intriguing to see, hey, how do these guys respond in those situations? And again, we talked about how we still haven't really seen McCoy 100%. Well, this was the first week that we were able to see Diablo. So this is the first time you're going to get to see this dude, the Raiders third round pick that comes in with a lot of hype. See what he does. Yeah, I mean, and look, you're right, where the preseason is not the sexiest thing in the world. Like, if you're a casual fan, you probably don't care too much about what's yeah. going to happen on Sunday. But if you're really committed to this team, if you really want to know this team, like the back of your hand from 1 to 53, these are the days, these are the games yeah. that you got to lock in for three hours and you will learn a lot. And there are going to be great things about this game. There's going to be moments that are going to be very exciting. Someone that we think is going to hopefully provide a few of those exciting moments. Quentin Jefferson, who we talked with earlier this afternoon. And, man, he was a lot of fun, wasn't he? He was, man. I remember when we talked to him out in L.A., I was like, oh, I like this dude. The first time I talked to him, even more so today. I mean, he brings the energy. He brings the personality. And, again, like we mentioned earlier on the show, he's got some pretty solid beat heat as well. So, Ray, Jesse set it up pretty well. I don't know if we can say anything else to add on to it. Play that interview with Quentin Jefferson. 
And very, very excited to be joined by Quentin Jefferson on the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. And Quentin, I'll just start here, man. We, we've heard so much from Gus Bradley since he came into town about how important it is to have waves of defensive linemen. No doubt. When you look back on your career and you look back at, at, I guess, look at the current, I would say, why is that important to have multiple groups of guys that can just make life difficult for the quarterback? Um, I guess people just love having, you know, fresh rushers in there. You know, fresh guys just getting after it, you know. After a series, you know, an O-line get worn down, and then you have another wave of guys that can just produce just as well as the first group. It's It, it take a toll on the offense, you know, and especially nowadays, you know, um, the the biggest thing is getting after the quarterback. So you got to have fresh guys in there, fresh legs, getting after the quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for our D-line. We got a lot of depth, and uh, it's been a fun training camp, uh, rushing, competing with these guys, and I'm excited for the season. Well, kind of along those lines, like I'm curious, you know, what is it you like about this scheme that Gus Bradley kind of implements and your role in it? I'm kind of familiar with it because I was in Seattle. We kind of ran the same defense, and uh, it's really just based on guys just playing fast. There's not a lot of terminology, a lot of language, and it's just, you know, line up and really get after it. And especially with Marinelli uh, as well, just get off the ball, you know, and that makes life simple. You know, if I can just get off, play fast, don't have to really think about a lot of things, it just helps everybody just go fast because ultimately that's what you want. You don't want guys out there thinking. So I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Coach Marinelli. All of the guys that we've talked to on the defensive line just rave about him and just yeah. what a unique personality he is. What a good coach, what a leader of men he is. Yeah. What have your interactions been like with him um, thus far? Just a guy with a lot of passion for the game and a lot of knowledge. He's a wealth of knowledge. He's like a a, a walking archive, you know, just yeah. just all the guys he has had and just all the film he brings up and shows us. It's a... It's great, you know, especially for a guy like myself. You know, I'm learning new things. I've been in, playing for six years, and I'm still learning new things from him and uh, just how to tweak my game. And just, again, like I, you think you know guys until you dip that dip back in the archives and just a lot of players you might even forgot about. And uh, it's just dope to get that knowledge and just uh, instill, like, that mindset of the greats that came before us, what they have done, and how we can we still have a lot to do. Yeah, yeah, no, I bet. And that's I, I know in the past you've kind of played both inside and outside. You're yeah. a real versatile guy. It seems, though, now, like you're going to mostly just be inside. I haven't seen you working outside. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. This is the first time ever, and I think ever, <laughs> I just played one position. And uh, it's actually kind of it's, it's, it's dope, you know, because I can get used to the blocks, uh, you know, playing outside in. It's kind of the same but different different blocking and different timing. So it's good just to do the same thing every day and create that muscle memory. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for this year. I mean, you talk about that versatility, though, and the fact that you have played inside and outside. Yeah. I mean, coming into this situation now, though, I imagine that kind of wealth of knowledge of just learning how to be a defensive lineman in totality can only help you now that your role and kind of what you're being asked to do is being narrowed in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, you no doubt. Because I, I didn't see it all playing from a six to a, a, a zero, you know, but uh, – so it kind of, yeah, it definitely helps me play all blocks, but I think my position is a three technique. So it's, 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 I'm excited just to focus on actually just perfecting playing three technique. And uh, I mean, it's, it's been a great camp and just keep it going. Yeah. And we were talking to Max in California, I think the same day we talked to you out there. Yeah. He'd said like how competitive this D line group is. No doubt. He said that you guys are even like competing in terms of like who can eat the best. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, like, how refreshing is that? And also, too, I do want to know like who's eating the best right now. Uh, I, I think we're all, all doing pretty good. You know, like, like everything's competitive from get offs, like I said, to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay lean. Who could be the leanest? <laughs> who's the fastest? Who's the strongest? Who's been in the weight room the most? And all that does is just make all of us better. We all say when we get out there, it's a race to the quarterback so we can see get there first. And all that does is just make us all better because we're all, it's, you have to hunt. 
it's a hunt. So uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this year. We got a lot of guys, with a lot of energy, a lot of juice, a lot of knowledge of the game. And uh, I think that first game we're going to put on display. You know, speaking of that first game, and we're getting closer and closer and closer, and it's, feel, it's felt for us anyways, like this offseason is just dragged on. <laughs> but we still got one preseason game left, okay. and there's so much value in that third preseason game. Okay. And we talk about for the young guys and guys that are kind of trying to work their way back into shape a little bit to get ready for week one. When you look at this Sunday, when you look at this game against the Niners, uh, what do you really want to see the team as a collective really take out of it? Ultimately, in, in this preseason 3-0, and and uh, it really just rolls into the into the regular season, like start the momentum, letting letting people know, putting teams on notice that you know we're for real this year. We're coming out with a new attitude, new mindset, and we're trying to be dominant from the starters on down. You know, and uh, out there this weekend, we hopefully put that on display. You know, guys out there competing their butts off and not taking it easy. You know, because these are, when you're out there on the film, it's your resume and their needed reps. You know, just to knock that rust off and get ready for the season. You don't want to go in when real bullets are flying and. You know, you're kind of lax days we're trying to find your way. So, like, even when I was out there preseason, I take it very seriously. Like, I still got to get my footwork, everything down because, you know, these reps are needed. Going against guys who, you know I mean, you're going to see in regular season. So, it's it's exciting. And, and kind of along those same lines, you know, with it being the last preseason game, I'm curious for you, like, who are you really looking forward to, like, watching on this D-line, you know, get uh, some burn? Uh, Vic. I like Vic, man. He uh, He's a good dude. Real strong, powerful player, rusher, and uh, I think he's going to take off this game. So I'm excited to watch him. You know, Jesse and I were talking before we started rolling, and one thing that Jesse brought up was your incredible cleat game. Yeah. And so we, yeah. we got to find – so, one, where does the origin of, like, hey, let's get all these really cool cleats come? And there's – do you think in your heart of hearts you got the best cleat game, at least on this defensive line? Because I know Max probably has something to say about that oh, too. Yeah. I think I got the best cleats in the league. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> um, I started a – a few years ago, I don't know. I got a homie named Kendall in uh, in Seattle, and me and him just been cooking stuff up for probably the past like three, four years. And uh, man, I'm gonna have some crazy. I ain't gonna lie, I'm gonna have some crazy ones this first game and just for the whole season. But uh, yeah, we kind of just make a plan in the off season and just really map out all the games, especially the primetime games. Try to have some something crazy. But uh, yeah, especially this first one, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have some heat on. So are you are you a part of then the design process and the whole oh, yeah. creative process going from A to Z? That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, literally A to Z. We literally break down every game, every uh, try to get our uniforms in. We just go on out. <laughs> That's cool. When I seen you've been rocking the uh, the lime green ones more yeah. more recently. Uh, what's the story on those ones? Oh, those are um, actually those are from like two years ago. They were like the Weatherman KD cleats. Uh-huh. And then I I've been rocking the. Uh, the the Kobe um, I don't know if you guys ever seen the the Bruce Lee ones, and um, those are on two I had with me right now. But a lot of them back home and they're getting finished for the season. The ones for going forward. So yeah, definitely if if anybody just takes notice or ever sees sees them out there, I'm definitely going to always have some some fire. On. It's the preseason for the cleats too, right? Yeah, yeah. Preseason uh, for the pre-season, cleats. I keep a, I keep it a little light. I just because <laughs> I have those ones broken in, but the season, oh yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have some stuff. Love that man. <laughs> well, well, hey Quinn, man, we're excited to see what you got both got cooking on your feet, what you got cooking on the field this year. It's gonna be a lot of uh, a lot of really excited, you know, exciting moments. A lot of folks that are excited to come see you do your thing, and really this defensive, this rebuilt defensive line in 2021. So hey man, like I said, I appreciate you sealing a few minutes for us. Good luck this weekend. Stay safe out there and we'll catch up with you soon, all right? No doubt. Appreciate it. Thank you. The $10 Tastemaker from Pizza Hut. Stuck in traffic? Just think of all the delicious meat and veggie combinations. Whoops, got a little distracted there. Large, up to three toppings. Just 10 bucks. No one out pizzas the hut. Deal not available in some locations. Exclusions apply.
And I hope you guys like Quentin Jefferson now as much as Jesse and I do, because he's a good dude, man. And he's a guy that you find yourself rooting for on Sunday, but really throughout the regular season, he's going to be a, a guy that I'm going to pull for. Yeah, look, I, I love watching you know games and diving into tape and stuff like that, but it's so much more fun when you get to learn mm-hmm. and, and, and figure out who these guys are you know, behind the helmet and stuff like that. And when you just got a good dude, like it is easy, easy to root for them. And great big boy style. Yeah. Went into. He does. Man. Great he's big got, boy style. He's got the cleats. We also were following him a little bit, looking on social media and stuff. He's also got some nice hat game. I've seen him. He had a really cool one out in L.A. This time he busted out with the uh, with the, the Pirates. Yeah, yeah, the, the Pirates, Pirates one, one, you yep. know, repping the home city. So, you know, I, I like to see that with the big man with some Yeah, player. absolutely. And a quick aside, my favorite style Raider we've ever had. I don't know if I've told you this before. So we had a guy, gosh, 2015, 2016, Pat Sims. Oh. He was here for a couple seasons. And he was, to put it nicely, a huge human being. Yeah. He was a defensive tackle. He was probably like 6'2", like 330. Mm-hmm. Like he was a big boy. Oh, no, yeah, I know the name. And uh, and Pat would wear these absolutely stunning, and I assume they have to be custom. He wore these stunning leather pants oh, man. pretty regularly. Like you could tell like when he wanted to like feel himself and feel good, <laughs> like he went to the closet and he brought out these custom leather pants. And I was like, man, to be a big man, a really big man, <laughs> and to have the confidence to pull off some some leather pants like that? Yeah. Oh, nothing but love and respect to the big boys out there. No, that's That takes some stones to rock that yeah. as a big man with some thunder thighs and things like that. <laughs> but hey, look at him. I mean, you know, little Raiders version of the swagoo out there. You yeah. Love oh, you got dude. I hope, Pat, wherever you are, man, I, I hope you're well. I hope you're, uh, you're dominating <laughs> life and you still have those beautiful pants in your closet somewhere. But shifting back to Sunday, man, we, I, we teased it uh, before the interview. We're going to talk little teams. Yeah. And there are a handful of guys that are going to play on Sunday that are going to make this team strictly based off of what they bring to Rich Bisaccia's group. And it happens every year. We're going to have a play. We're going to have a moment where you're going to look and you're going to be like, player X just made the team. Yeah. And I'm excited to see who that guy is come Sunday. I am too. I'm real curious. And, you know, this guy, again, like I said, I think he's, he's already solidified, but Darius Phylon, we saw him have the, you know, he blocked the punt. Yep. I think just showing that, you know, that was big for him. But, yeah, some guys that are real interesting in just the return game, you know, obviously Hunter's got that locked up, but Stoner and uh, DJ Turner, they're two guys that have been getting a lot of reps back I, there. I feel like they're, yeah, I, I think that in my vision of Sunday, one of them is going to take that job yeah. or is going to take take a, a spot in kind of in that regard where they do so many things very similarly. I think they have similar builds. I think you look at their games, both guys that can help out in the return game if, if something were to happen to Hunter. Yeah. But someone's going to have to, you know, go and grab that job. And to also, like, look at what this receiving group is not, not like, missing, but just kind of how guys fit into the fold there as well, paired with the special teams aspect. And I personally think DJ Turner is one of those guys that's, like, a, a similar build to, like, a John Brown. You know, a small, speedy guy, real, you know, quicker than he I mean, he's fast, don't get me wrong, but, like, quicker yeah. than he is fast in and out of his breaks and things like that. So he's one guy, he's been my, like, sleeper pick to make this roster for, I don't know, I don't even know if I've even said it on the pod, but he's been the guy that I kind of circled. So he's one that I'm really interested to see. But definitely, yeah, if you can give Hunter Renfro a break from the return game, and don't get me wrong, he does it very well, but that's one of the you know top slot receivers you've got right and there. And it's one of the most dangerous jobs to have in the NFL. Exactly. So, like, no offense to DJ and uh, you know Stoner. I'm sure they would take that no problem and be like, hey, let me do this thing. Go ahead and give Hunter a rest. But those are guys that you can throw out there and be comfortable with what they can do. And look, I think for me, what it comes down to is if you can feel comfortable about having a Dylan Stoner, a Turner, whoever it is, if you just feel comfortable, that's the key word for me. Yeah. If you can feel comfortable 
having them take some of that from Hunter, just do it, man. I mean, exactly. I know that Hunter is a stud. I know he does it really well. But at this point in his career, Hunter is so valuable to the offense that I would not I would not bat an eye if they said, hey, he's not going to return a punt all year. I'd be like, all right, that's cool. I get yeah. it. Yeah, And then, you know, let's wait and see, you know, who, who actually does have that moment, like you said, where you're like, that guy just made this team. I will say just watching practices and stuff like that, I think Dylan Stoner has the edge in the return game. He's been more reliable in the sense that, like, when Hunter's back there, like, not a single punt hits the ground. I don't, from my memory, remember one hitting the ground when uh, Stoner was out there. DJ had a couple rough days yeah. here and there when there was some wind Especially earlier in camp, too. Yeah, I, yeah. I think back to those days in particular where I, I remember vividly being like, ah, yeah, we can't. We got to do a little bit better. Exactly, yeah. So uh, of that kind of little battle there, that one should be really interesting to, to kind of watch. But also, like we mentioned, the, the linebackers, they're going to be really involved you know, in special teams and stuff like that. And then also some of the DBs. I mean, one guy that's real interesting is Isaiah Johnson. You know, he's going to have to be a big special teams guy because we haven't seen him at all until this week. So uh, we got to see what he can do on teams. You know, I know he's a guy that's been here and stuff like that, but I'm sure they're looking to see him like, hey, impress us on teams to to make this roster. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Isaiah is still a guy that, like you said, has been here for a couple of years, but, it, you know, like Mike and, and John say every year, you got to earn that spot every single year. You know, so in, unless you're the Derricks or Maxes or guys yeah. like that, but hey, you if you're an Isaiah Johnson, you got to go out there on Sunday and just remind everyone, be like, hey, it's me here, mm-hmm. Isaiah, just checking in, just wanted to quickly remind everyone that I need one of these 53 spots. Thank you. Carry on. We'll see you next week. And especially, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, there, no, you're but good. When you see guys like Nate Hobbs, who we talked about, he has done not only outside and the nickel as well, but he's done a lot on special teams, and then also a guy like Amik, who's shown he can play in the slot and also back outside. You know, obviously the slot was a little shaky at times last year, but he's saying how much more comfortable he feels outside. So two young corners that have really stepped up. So again, that's where we talk about, like, you really got a flash in this small window of opportunity that you have if you're Isaiah Johnson. And to quote my friend Kyle Martin, special teams wins ball games. Yes, it does. It does. It, it's not the most glamorous thing. I know that punt coverage doesn't get people going, I guess unless you're the Raiders and the Rams who mm-hmm. decided that, we're going to turn pun coverage into about a nine, <laughs> a nine round, you know, Tyson Holyfield battle royale. Yeah. yeah, but you know, for your average fan, you know, it's probably not the most glamorous thing, but it wins ball games. And you look at the teams that really do uh, make a lot of noise in the postseason; they all have stud special teams units. So the Raiders, with Rich Bisaccia, have one of the best special teams coordinators in the entire NFL. And it is a point of emphasis for this team that you got to handle your business on all those coverage units, kick return, punt return, the punts, the kicks. It's all part of it, and the Raiders got to make sure that that is locked down heading into 2021. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, every year you watch and think of how many games are won and lost because of a play on special teams, whether whether it's a good or bad one. You have to have guys that are opportunistic, you know, that are ready to roll on this type of stuff. And also, too, like these are these guys that are like so hungry to make this team. So a lot of these dudes... Even, okay, that they make the roster, but then throughout the year, you're on teams, you're trying to get yourself into the actual lineup. Corey Littleton is a good example of that. That's how he cut his teeth in the league and how he earned a roster spot with the Rams and then eventually moved into a starting role because he was a guy that tore it up on special teams and started getting more looks. So, like, these are guys that are like, hey, look, I, I made the roster when that time comes, but now I made the roster. I want to get out on the field regularly, so I'm going to show out in those reps that I have on special teams during the game. To go down the uh, memory lane just a little bit further, Marcel Reese, friend of the program, yeah. did the exact same thing. Did the exact the exact same rep where you take advantage of your reps on special teams, and that role grows and grows and grows. And then you look and you're like, hey, I've been in the NFL for a decade. That's not too shabby, is it? Not a bad living not at all. At all. So. 
kick off one o'clock Pacific time at Levi's on Sunday. Very, very excited. Excited for a multitude of reasons. Excited that we'll have another chance to watch football, but also very excited. This is the final. Put it in caps, put it in bold italics, the final preseason game, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, you check that final box off of being done with the preseason, and then you really flip towards like, okay, now, and they've already started doing this, but now it is all about getting ready for that first game against Baltimore when real football comes, when we actually get to see the starters play, <laughs> and we get to watch Monday Night Football at Allegiant Stadium. Ooh, I'm getting chills just bringing that up. Oh, uh, we have, yes, we have a lot to discuss. We have a long way to go, but that is the ultimate goal, right? Monday Night Football, September 13th against Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. It is going to be a blast. But we still have some football to talk about before that. We got one more game, and it's, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff that has to be accomplished in between now and Sunday, and then obviously the big day, Tuesday afternoon, for those final roster reductions. So, Freddie Pascal, Jesse Merrick, our guest this week, Quentin Jefferson, my man Ray, who I see today because Jesse and I have changed our location. And Ray, I got to be honest, I don't know if I'm loving this. I might go back to my initial, (laughs) I might go back to my original spot. It's throwing off my, my whole vibe right now. But Ray, who does a tremendous job, Alexandria's in the control and making sure we sound oh so much better than we actually do. And everyone else at Silver and Black Productions, thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out with us. Reminder, kickoff 1 o'clock against the Niners, and we will see you guys, I guess technically, next week for our final episode, Jesse. The last one. final episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast presented by Pizza Hut. To stay up to date on all the latest with the silver and black, download our mobile app and subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network.